Welcome to the Scottish Property Podcast. This is a show where we aim to educate, inspire and entertain through real life stories and interviews from people in the Scottish property community. As always, thanks for listening and give us a follow on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Remember to join us at our monthly networking events on the first Wednesday of every month. Tickets are available on our website. So without further ado, we'll just cut straight into this week's podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Scottish Property Podcast. Delighted to have Davy Hutton back in the hot. Davy Hutton back in the hot seat. Oh, start again. Start no, again. No, again. No, no, start again. No, no, no. Keep going. We're running with <laughs> Davy. It's great to see you again. Uh, we obviously got you back because uh, of popular demand. A lot of people reaching out to us and saying that yeah. was a fantastic episode with Davy Hutton uh, last time we had you on. So Show even his personality, I think that's <laughs> even people that are no that's interest. That's next nervous. Pound shop celebrity. <laughs> Even people that are no interest in property were watching the YouTube and commenting, saying, "What a great guy!" Uh, we could listen to you for hours. So I think that was good. And it's Pin great. Your ears back then. Oh, we got hours. <laughs> we've only got, we've only got forty-five minutes for this session because this podcast is all about our market updates. So. Stephen, every month. We every go every month, Nick, I come here and just get educated on what's been happening for the month previous. So, <laughs> expect me so to contribute too much. Up often, isn't he? <laughs> so, just to, I mean, you did say last time that you're a bit of a news junkie, Davy. So, um, we're hoping to get a bit of uh, insight on what's happening in the macro economy. Mm. And I know none of us are economists sitting here, but we'll talk about things like interest rates and mortgages and stuff like that, where they're going, what you're seeing on the ground as well when you're going out and talking to, obviously, homeowners and people that are looking to sell their homes and stuff. But just to put things in, into context here for the listeners, uh, this is Tuesday, 27th of June, and we're looking back, obviously, on the month of June, and we've picked out a few news articles and we're going to talk through the topics. But, you know, to kick it all off, really, the big thing that really happened in June was the announcement that inflation pretty much is not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, they're not getting a handle on it. Uh, I think the figures were, uh, the CPI figures that got released were 8.7% which is basically flatlined from the previous month, which was 8.7%. Now, people think, well, that's not too bad. It's come down from over 10%. But the problem being, from what I'm reading, is, and again, I'm no expert, <laughs> but the problem being is... That you're no expert, but you're like spouting figures like 8.7%. <laughs> I'm trying to look intelligent here, Davey. I'm trying to kid on that I know half. You it's know, easy like, to look intelligent in a podcast. You're not getting filmed. I'm just where? reading this off. Where <laughs> I'm reading this off the computer. <laughs> um, so the problem is core inflation, right, which mm -hmm. strips out the kind of volatile things such as energy... Everything and that you might spend your money on. Food might go up. Basically, energy and food. So, core inflation strips like that. That's gone from 6% up to 7%. So, that's actually rising. Headline inflation's coming down. But the real problem is things like that. Plus, the announcement that wages are going up as well, quite mm -hmm. significantly. I think they've gone up 7%. That was the latest data. So, all that is now ingrained into our problem, if you like, the inflation problem. So, you know, the headline is, how high will UK interest rates go? Jesus, They've gone it's a bit of an intro, this, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to let you have your, have your moment in a second. But obviously it went from 4.5% was the base rate up to 5%. Hmm. Is that going to be enough? Davey, where do you see it going? In all honesty, I think the whole thing's a shit show. I think, you know, you're, you, I, I don't know the numbers as well as you do, but the... 
everybody knows inflation's going through the roof. The figures that you're talking about take out the things that people are actually having to spend their money on, like fuel and energy and uh, food. Um, you, you have to spend money on these things to go about your, your daily life. Um, why are they high? There's a variety of reasons. If you look into that a wee bit further, I, I'll bet you'll find somewhere that manufacturing inflation is next to nothing. So on one hand, you've got things going at 20%. I think eggs are up 33% in a year. Um, but people that are actually making things, it's not going up at all. So why is it happening? Um, and I, I did have a look at the, the first article that you you sent me through there, which I think was a blog by by, by somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it, I kind of lost interest on it because it started off saying something like, um, those of you that say the Bank of England's a one-trick pony, don't know what you're talking about. Well, I don't know what I'm talking about because the Bank of England is a one-trick pony on that. It's it's control over interest rates. And one thing, yeah, yeah. That, that's mm. you. So that's the only kind of remedy that they have for inflation. You put interest rates up, people have got less money in their pocket. If you've got less money in your pocket because your mortgage is high, um, you've got less money to spend. If you've got less money to spend, the shopkeeper gets less of your money and he has to bring the prices down. In very simplistic terms, that's the way inflation works. Is, is it to force it into a recession? No, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm no well, expert. Well, the, the, the problem that I see this time around is that you, I, I personally don't think you have inflation caused by people spending too much. I don't think you have an economy overheating. Mm-hmm. In actual fact, I think you've almost got the exact opposite. We've been teetering on the edge of recession for, you know, months and months and months. Uh, we've got out of being, you know, in a recession on technicalities on 0. you know, 1% of you know, figures coming through. But it just seems to me that, you know, what is causing inflation just now? Um, supply chain problems caused by the, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Oil and gas prices going up caused by Ukraine. Um, before that, the oil and gas prices were going up caused by the pandemic and supply chain issues. And um, One of the big arguments was that a lot of, I've heard a lot of people talk about is that, you know, a lot of it is blamed for, like, you know, the short-term stuff that's just happened in the last couple of years, you know, supply chain issues, you know, uh, loss of workforce through mm-hmm. Brexit and all the rest of it. But a lot of people really going, taking, zooming out on the whole thing and going right back to post-financial crash when basically we started pumping in so much money into the economy, QE, basically. Yep. Um, and that has now caught up with us. Well, it's caught up with us, but Free also, money. You, know, you, you mentioned the Brexit word. On that article that you're talking about, I don't think it really spent much time on the on, on the Brexit issue, but it's massive. The currency against the dollar is down 20% since the Brexit vote. It's down 20% against the euro. And we import, you know, what's, I can't remember exactly what the figures are, but I think we import... 200 billion more than we export which now costs us 20 percent more more than it more than it used to add on top of that tariffs for stuff coming in um that, that never used to be paid prices are going up Joe public's got no control over that Joe mm. public has to pay that stuff he has to buy the food he has to put the fuel in his car so we put interest rates up and people have got less money to spend. So what do they do? Do they not eat? Just do they not travel to their work? We could go on the train, you, but the train's in strike. Are you having yeah. conversations with people at the moment, like people that are genuinely struggling? And I know not in your circle, because obviously the elite that you hang around with, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Establish those <laughs> cigars. <laughs> um, yes. 
but it's the it's the bottom end. The bottom end is obviously massively more affected than the, mm. the top end. You will be able to afford to pay your energy bills, um, and your savings might suffer. Mm-hmm. At, at the bottom end, um, <laughs> well, from a business point of view, because at the, the sharp end of your estate agency stroke auction, you'll see what's coming through and the, well, the clients. Well, that's exactly mm. right. I see it on a daily mm. basis because of the, the job that I do. If I wasn't doing that job, would I see it? No. Completely, mm. yeah. Where do you stand on, you know, this whole idea that, because I think it was actually the governor of the Bank of England, right, Andrew Bailey, who's getting some amount of flack at the moment because he's basically been caught, you know, asleep at the wheel because part of the argument is, and again, it's great to look back on it, isn't it? And hindsight's a wonderful thing. They should have put interest rates up higher sooner faster yeah. sooner you look at over across in america where apparently they've got it a bit more under control but he said right at the start <laughs> for companies not to offer wage rises you know mm-hmm. if people start get, start getting higher wages then the whole thing spirals out of control you know so where do you sit on that because obviously there was a chat as well in the papers all day about i think richie sunak came out and said that you know they were going to oppose public sector wage increases as well, you know, which I'm sure is going to go down well and that will win them the next election, won't it? <laughs> so, uh, you know, is that the wage rise a real problem as well? Because obviously, just like you said, if you, basically, if, you, if you narrow it down to basic fundamentals, effectively you are fueling the inflation because you're putting more money in people's pockets when we're really trying, like you said at the start, Stephen, we really could do a recession. We're trying to curb it. Reset, do you know what I mean? Surely if, in, if, if interests are through the roof, there's there's less amount of borrowing, there's less amount of business spend, there's less amount of growth, investment. Is that is that the whole point? Is ramming up the interest rates that quickly that it forces into a recession? I, I, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not an expert in uh, on economics, but your inflation obviously diminishes your debt. And the, yes. the debt that we have is astronomical compared mm-hmm. to, to what it used to be even I, I remember doing a speech somewhere years and years ago and it was um to think now Gordon Brown when Gordon Brown left office um the national debt that he had between him and Tony Blair had risen more than every national debt of every single prime minister, all the way back to Sir Robert Walpole in 17 or whatever. Cumulatively, that's how much we increased our debt in the space of three years with the the financial crash. And since then, we've just put more and more and more into it. So the the debt levels now, uh, from a country point of view, are astronomical. Well, if you look at that, you know, internationally, we're not really performing very well. In terms of <laughs> no shit, <laughs> in terms of comparing ourselves to the eurozone, America, politically, politically we've just been an absolute shambles. Tommy, for for a yeah, few no, years, I, I don't have. I've got a political interest, but I don't have a political interest in any particular party. But it seems to me, like the like the whole Brexit thing was a manufactured thing to get Boris Johnson elected. Boris Johnson looked at that and said, if I go pro-Brexit or I go pro-Remain, what one gives me the best opportunity to become Prime Minister? There was no thought process there whatsoever as to what is best for the country. country. Now, what happens with people is we entrench ourselves into teams and then we refuse to change our position. But in actual fact, we're right and wrong all the time. 
you know, we'll be right today, wrong tomorrow. You change your position constantly due to the information that's, mm-hmm. that's coming at you. But when you look at things like like Brexit, for instance, or, or Scottish independence, another one, how it, it divides people into teams and then we're not going to change no matter what, pro-Boris, anti-Boris kind of thing. You know, it's I, I wrote this thing one time in a, in a song and it was, um, we did a chant in a song and a team to belong and a team we can blame that play the same fucking game. <laughs> it really is the Rangers-Celtic thing. Two identical people hate you, you hate me kind of thing. We do, you know, everything identically in our lives. Um, and I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why we can't look at it just now, regardless of what way we voted on the, the Brexit vote and say, this shit's not working. It's created all sorts of turmoil because it created this division in the country. The Labour Party don't want to speak about it. The Labour Party should right now be saying, this is a shit show, guys, and we need to reverse course on this. Or we need to get to... Remember when the, the, the vote happened at first? Kind of everybody thought you would get some kind of soft Brexit was the term at the time. Nobody thought we were going to get the WTO terms thing clean break, just you know, because it was madness. But that's what we've got, and that's what we've accepted now. Mm-hmm. And we wonder why our prices are going up. Mm-hmm. We wonder why our economy's not going well compared to the the, the rest of the, the EU countries. Now, does, I, don't, I don't know what way you guys voted in the, the Brexit referendum. It's irrelevant what way any of us voted in the Brexit re- uh, referendum. But where are we right now? Mm-hmm. What, what, has, you know, what has been the proof in the pudding? Do we actually want to look at it and actually want to look at results or we just want to sing our song and kind of throw out our chant? It's yeah. it's a really it's a really strange Without strange... going down a political rabbit hole there, David, because it was it's good to get your thoughts on that. But bringing it back to the uh, economy and obviously property mm-hmm. and our property investor audience. Um so like moving on from you know inflation, obviously that affects Interest rates, like we said, you know, interest rates are on the rise. People predicted, some of the economists that you read, they predicted that the bank rate was going to peak at 4.5%. Now, because of this latest set of data, we're now back to October 2022 with the trustonomics, when mm. things shot right up. That, so, that's the point where things really changed. Aye. That's the point where I really felt it on the ground. So we're, we're so things were looking better. So things can't, you know, obviously they got rid of Liz Trust, they got rid of the quasi Quarteng or whatever his name was, who was a complete disaster as well. And then they they, they got <laughs> Jeremy Hunt and Richie to step in, and then things kind of calmed down. The markets calmed down a wee bit. Things were actually looking better there up until, I mean, April interest rates, mortgage interest rates were coming down a little bit, things were settling down things were looking good, obviously this latest set of data has spooked the markets again the the bonds, the UK gilts, yields have shot up which affects obviously the borrowing and long term fixed rates as well without going into too much technical data because I'm learning about all this stuff as well but they call them the uh, Sonia swap rates or what the mortgage lenders base the long-term fixed rates off of, they've shot up. So now all the lenders have basically had to pull all the products away that were sitting at like 4.5% fixes. All the economists are saying the Bank of England base rate has now got to go up to 6%. They're predicting 6% is going to be the peak to get a handle on this inflation. Obviously, the mortgage 
lenders are now repricing all their products. Yeah, yeah but that's a bit that I'm not sure of. But put, putting your interest rates up to 6%, how does that get handled on inflation? How does that solve your supply chain issues? How does it solve, I mean, oil and gas prices might come down. I, I don't know. Surely, surely just squeezes everyone's pockets even more. I mean, the, I mean, I think mine's on a fixed rate of 1.4%. So in a few years' time, when my fixed rate ends, where's it going to be at? 7%, 8%? That's going to squeeze well, I mean, if the you, pockets if you look, even more. If you look at the, the property market, volumes are down. Mm. If volumes are down, people aren't moving home. If they're not moving home, they're not buying the kitchen, they're not putting the bathroom in, they're not buying the new car with the yeah. proceeds of the... They're saying, all that money's lost to the, to, uh, to the economy. So where is this overspend happening? I, I don't see people being frivolous with money. I don't see folk running about the streets just throwing it away on Louis Vuitton. It's, it, 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 I, I don't understand it. I think businesses have got to fail, basically. Mm-hmm. And then I think you've got unemployment needs to go up. Because the labour market's so tight at the moment. If you look, if you're looking for a job just now, you go on one of the job sites. Vacancies that are all time high. Mm-hmm. There's so much choice out there. Employers are having to raise their salaries, raise raise their wages. Mm-hmm. So I think there does need to be some pain. I don't think, like you say, interest rates are going to have to take a while to filter through as well. I don't think there has to be some pain. I think there will be some pain because that's that's the way it works. Yeah. You, the the lower down the food chain you are, the more they're going to demand from you. You know, the market for super yachts is probably quite healthy right now. <laughs> you know, and that, that's the kind of crazy part of it. If you look at the way that the, the wealth has been distributed, mm-hmm. rich people have got richer as poorer people yeah. are, are, you know, taking the brunt of the, the energy crisis and whatnot. You know, these bills mean nothing. To, and I'm not meaning let's, you know, burn the mansions and take take the money off of people kind of thing, but it's just a, it's just a fact of life. Yeah. Uh, that gap's going to widen. Yeah, it's so, like, so it's like the eradication of player middle class will become squeezed to the bottom of the rung and the bottom of the rung is going to really, really exactly. struggle. And you, you asked me earlier on, you know, do I see this in my, in my daily life? Yes, I see it in my working life, but I wouldn't see it in my circle of friends because yeah. we tend to be you know have people round about us on similar mm-hmm. um salaries or income exactly mm-hmm. um and what happens now is that that portion of people which is relatively small in terms of like the the full marketplace is getting bigger mm-hmm. so that'll get bigger it used to be called like the underclass if you if you like it they did these people didn't vote and even so nobody really cared about them and political terms. Now they do vote. They voted for Boris Johnson. They voted for Donald Trump. You know, they, they voted for Nigel Farage. They were motivated that way. Um, but that group is going to get larger and larger and there will come a point where politically it will matter. It's Nicola Sturgeon, you know, freezing rents, banning evictions because there's a bigger voter demographics that are actually in rent accommodation than actually a landlord. So exactly, we can yeah. piss that party off. Because they're not a big voting population, but the yeah. the tenants are, yeah. But as to, you know, as to to property and you know what happens in uh, prices there, which I guess is going to be one of your questions. At, at Coming to that, some point, my, my internet signal's just dropped out, so I've lost all my news articles. Just source information uh, going uh, in, my you? News you your brain now. Off here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give us some facts and figures now. Basically, the, what I was getting onto was obviously this mortgage ticking time bomb that we need about the press. So the headlines are. This could be 10 times worse than the energy crisis. All these people that are on fixed rate mortgages coming to an end this year. 
like you just said yourself. I, but the, something similar to what David just touched on as well. I, I read an article recently where they're saying that as much as the fixed terms were coming to an end, the loan to value is a hell of a lot lower than it used to be. Apparently, the average. That's absolutely right. Yeah, the, the, I think the average uh, refinance or same was something like fifty percent loan to value. So they're they're not highly leveraged. No. Not so, only that, but it was interesting reading the stat. You would be surprised at how many people have actually got mortgages. You know, a lot less than what I thought. So I think it was like something like thirty percent, thirty percent of homeowners population got mortgages. That's what I was actually looking up yeah. when internet signals. One, of these, one of these ones, it's difficult for that number to go up because as house prices have gone up, it's difficult for people to get on the ladder yeah. um, to to start with. Once you're on the ladder, you've got a mortgage for you know the next twenty five years yeah. or thirty years or whatever. But the but you're absolutely right. The the loan to value is massively lower than it was pre-2007-2008 crash because at that time it was 100% interest-only mortgages that were getting thrown at everybody left, right and centre. 120% mortgages were thrown out. You know? I, I can't believe what you're saying on that as well. It will be the the lower, the, ha the have-nots that are going to really, really suffer. And I, even when I say that, <coughs> maybe the people that were starting off on the property ladder the last three or four years, maybe the, the, the mid to early 30s, get on the property ladder at a 200, 300 grand house, a 1.8% mortgage, that term will be coming to an end soon. These are the ones that will struggle. They've yeah. tried to go on the market. Well, they're squeezed by energy prices and now their mortgage is going to double or times ah, by three. It's a middle class issue. It's not the yeah. people that are scraping about the bottom. It's a middle class because if you look, I mean, even looking at, around my neighbourhood, you've got two cars in the driveway, BMWs, Audis, whatever, highly financed up to the hills. Mm. They bought their house five years ago when they could fix in a rate of 1.6%. Now they're going to have to... That's another thing as well. Scale down to one car. Yeah, or, or will they? <laughs> but, but, this, but this is the thing that as a, as a country and as an economy, um, we've encouraged everybody to spend everything they earn. Mm -hmm. So they might have a loan-to-value ratio that's lower than it used to be, but they've got the PCP deal on the car, yeah. and they've, you know, they've got the catalogue terms on on everything. And it's a, it's a kind of crazy situation now that if you look at the, you know, the amount of Range Rover Vogues that are kicking about, I mean, I don't know if we spoke about this before, but I mean, what is a Range Rover Vogue now? 140 grand. There's millions of them. It's like, it's like, mm. it's like a new Cartina. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and who, who's got 140 grand sitting about to buy that car? No Next one. to nobody. A thousand pound a month or 1,400 pound a month. Exactly. It gets you the image that you, that you, wealth, you yeah. want to have. Yeah. And I was, I was in car showroom not that long ago. And I can't remember exactly the number, so I'm going to, I'm going to wing it. But I remember saying to the sh the, uh, the salesman guy, how much is that Range Rover? And he said, that one there's 150 grand. And I said, what's it worth at three-year-old? He said, I don't know. I said, well, what's a three-year-old Range Rover worth just 50. now? <laughs> I said, say 50 grand. So you're, you're looking at that dropping 100,000 pounds in that three-year period. I said, what does it cost to PCP it? And I said, it was 1,500 quid a month. So 1,500 quid a month was 18 grand a year, times it by three years, 54,000 pounds. So it's costing you 54,000 pounds to PCP it, and on the face of it, it's costing you 100 and odd thousand pounds to buy it cash. Mm -hmm. So even if you didn't need the finance, you need the finance. Mm -hmm. Because the person selling the, the vehicle on it, three years old, needs to be the car garage because they're the ones that can put the finance package on it and, and sell it on. If you're trying to sell that car through the auto trader to somebody who's got you know, 80, 90, 100,000 pounds in cash, you're not going to find them. No. So everybody's looked at, even if you've got money, you need you need finance. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a kind of crazy world that I struggle to get my, yeah. my head round about. 
I'm the same as Stephen actually I'm going to throw this in because my deal ends in spring next year to 2024 so the stat is that on 2024 1.6 million will need to move their fixed rate off on a new product so that I'm one of the 1.6 million so my mortgage costs are going to go from £800 a month up to I think it was 1350 or something like that so it's quite a big jump mm. I mean I, I'll, I'll get through it yeah I always if, find a way but. but if you have someone that's just started out that that's, that's maybe pushed themselves to afford that house but everything else is getting squeezed your your fuel in the car your cost energy prices to heat and that's the your thing house coming from all angles. all angles and then your mm. mortgage rate gets hit you know that doesn't sound like a massive jump but if you've been hit from all angles before that and then that's a massive jump surely that's got to be the straw that makes it you've also back. educated your, your population that these are the things that, that I'm supposed to have. I'm supposed to have the new car, the new Audi. Yeah. I'm supposed to have the holiday abroad. You start mm. taking these things all very well to say, you know, back in the year 1990 kind of thing, we didn't have that kind of stuff and it never did us any harm. But that's not the world that we that we live in now. Mm. We've encouraged people to spend everything so as we can grow an economy. Yeah, or, or buy what they, even what they can't afford. Yeah, but yeah. what it does is it puts everybody into a fragile state. They'll have two paychecks from disaster. And that's the majority of the population now. So when things go up £200 and £300, it, it it does make a massive difference. And the government have said, obviously, you know, because there was other political parties calling for, you know, like government should step in, save people. And Never going to happen. Mortgage holidays and all the rest of it. I just don't this think, again, that's, yeah. again, that's basically fueling the whole inflation. That's what we got ourselves into this mess in the start. Yeah. So it was good to see that they've actually kind of said, no, we're, they're doing a few things. They're basically talking to the banks and saying, right, allow people to go into interest only. Yeah. So it knocks down their payments for a while. Or take it to 35-year terms. Uh, yeah. Or, or stop know. repossessions for a year or something like that. So they are doing a few things, but I think the banks already had that option in place anyway, if you went and spoke to I, them. I, do, I don't think these announcements said anything. No. I think everything they said was already there. I think it was just exactly political sound bites uh, right moving on because obviously we've got a few other things to talk about house prices right <laughs> always <laughs> love bringing up house prices because I love it just for the figures for Aberdeen because when everybody when everybody else in the country is going up Aberdeen's going down that's where Stephen invests <laughs> so I'll like to stick with the is touching reverse <laughs> <laughs> so I'll read out the headline stats right and these are uh Stats taken from the land registry, right? So you would know, David, look, you know, reading the newspapers and all that, you always get these headlines, house prices going up, house prices going down, but they're all taken from different places. So you've got Halifax, you've got Nationwide, Right Move. Mm-hmm. Right Move's the classic. They were going up and up, up, kept going up, but Right Move's data is basically from estate agents that are basically going out and putting a price in the house, asking prices, not sold prices. Yep. Right, so sold prices. Sold. Sold prices yeah, on that the. One for nothing. <laughs> uh, so we're up. Uh, so we're uh, average price of property in Scotland is one hundred eighty-seven thousand one hundred fifty. Annual price change of a property in Scotland was two percent. Uh, still going up. Month- monthly price change of a property in Scotland is one point three percent. Right, so I know these these figures don't really mean anything because at the end of the day, there's such a lag in the price getting registered on. The land registry. Well, yeah, I'm not looking at figures that you're looking at uh, there just now, but I'll guarantee you that um, if you look at it in Monopoly board terminology, the closer you are to the dark blue bit of the Monopoly board, the larger the price increases will have been, which mm-hmm. is back to what we were 
talking about before, mm-hmm. the wealthier end is doing better than, you know, so Edinburgh will be doing better than Irvine. Aye. So if yeah. I bring up the table here, which is what, this is what Stephen wanted to bring up, right? So he had to wee look at it and he was, he was quite happy because there's other places that... Uh, Maybe he's nailed it there, yeah. Other the places biggest, that are worse than this. <laughs> the biggest increase is, uh, is Edinburgh. Yeah. Aye, so Edinburgh... Where are, we, where are we here on the chart here? Just low then, 17.2% increase. Uh, these stats seem, I mean, City of Glasgow, right? Interesting enough, I am seeing a few negatives, Nick. Usually you pull up the negatives, but there's a negative at Clackmanshire. Uh, we can't really take yeah. that into account because the data in Clackmanshire is taking into account about 10 sales or something right. like that. Do you know what I mean? So Ayrshire's down a half a percent. Yep, so we're getting a few City negatives now coming here. City of Aberdeen still down 7%. Negative 7%, right? Anyway, so what so what we're looking at here, we want to know, Davey, what you're seeing when you're going out and putting houses on the market at the moment. Are, I, I, if I look I at right move, I'm seeing a lot of reduced prices. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I noticed it's starting to change. Well, it didn't start to change. It, it, it Literally, the market stopped the weekend the Queen died. Nothing to do with the Queen dying, but that was coincidentally the same time as the, the Liz Trust Trust, budget. Yeah. Um, at that point, I think Joe Public said, "Wait a minute, this is this is a shit show." They had no idea what it meant, you know, that the markets were tumbling, but they knew that the the, the mortgage companies were drawing their products, and they knew something serious was happening. The public just every so often there'll there'll be a story that cuts through, and and that was it. That was the thing that said to people, "This is not all, you know, smelling of roses here," because at that point the house prices were were shooting up and the market was on fire uh, so the headlines went but the volumes were down and the volumes were the volumes being down is why the prices went up because there was more people wanting to buy than people wanting to sell most people realised post-pandemic that, that that we had a problem economically we had, we had a real problem so I think I'll stay where I am I'll batten down the hatches and I'll, I'll see this through so that's probably not coming to the market but the person in the you know the the one bed property that's just a kid needs to move to the two bed. And your repositions weren't coming on the market as well because exactly. Yeah. Um, it, so that stuff all started to hit at that point. Mm-hmm. Then what happened was mortgages became more difficult to get because of you know that budget uh, situation, and all of a sudden the number of buyers matched the number of sellers. So you had a low number of buyers and a low number of sellers, and the prices flatlined essentially. So going forward, and that's where we are just now, going forward, I don't have a crystal ball, um, but my job depends, if I'm going to buy somebody's property tomorrow, I can't sell it for six months. So I'm predicting what the market's going to be in November. And the truth of the matter is, I'm, I've not got a clue. And anybody that tells you they have, that they know what's going to happen is telling you lies. I mean, we can look at it and say, is the mortgage situation going to get easier? I don't think so, because rates are going to continue to go up for the... You know, I think the amount of exposure that this is getting as well, that obviously feeds through into public sentiment and expectations. Yeah, and yeah but, but, but follow, follow that, just before I come on to that, follow, follow that train of thought through. Mortgages don't become easier to get. In fact, they become more difficult. So the number of buyers stays static or goes down the way. Are people going to be motivated to sell? I don't think so because the the, the economic situation that we're in is, is still a shit show and is going to be for the foreseeable future. So more properties 
well, you could also argue that more property is going to come on the market because people get into financial difficulty. They want to downsize and reduce their mortgage amount. So yeah. if that happens, more properties come on the market. If the number of buyers don't go up, then prices go down. Mm-hmm. Um, so on balance, is it more likely that prices head south than north? Probably, but not certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the... Um, uh, uh, the time of them rising through the roof it's got finished. Yeah. I feel like it's flatlining at the moment. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel like... Yeah, I think the negative ones we'll see won't really be negative, so it'll be the... It, it, it paying well over the ask. It and varies from area to area. It, it, uh, if you happen to have something in, you know, Moss Park just now, it'll go through the roof. Aye. If you happen to have something in East Cobride, it'll sit there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is like... I've speaking to agents as well. They've, they're saying that, like, you know, your four or five bedroom detached, at like four hundred grand in that. They're saying they're struggling a wee bit to sell, whereas your first time buyers and your kind of flats and Pollock Shields and Shawlands and West End and all that, they're still going well because if you look at it, first but time be, buyers, the better areas. Yeah. You know, East Lothian, you mentioned there. These tend to be the areas where you've got parental support, where you've mm. got independent wealth you've got the, the bank the, the mom and dad exactly. still the main lender you, you take the bank and mum and dad away and people have actually got to save their deposits that's why places like East Cobride struggle or Cumbernauld mm. struggles or Wishaw struggles yeah, um, you, the, even the market the one you hit the, on the nail on the head there Nick with the, the 400 grand houses in your estate probably knocking back to what they were saying about the middle class it'll be the middle class that'll get affected they're going do you know what I'm waiting, I'm not buying, I'm not moving I'm well, it's, affordability. it's affordability issue isn't it yeah. because you look at obviously with rates you know, how that's, that can impact if they're taking out a, you know, if they're looking at a 90% loan to value, you this, know. I take that back to buy-to-let mortgage as well. The stress test on a buy-to-let mortgage, on a 7.5% mortgage, you know, 125% of the mortgage payment, struggling to kind of get these to stack up, which will it stop investors buying the lower stock that you were mentioning there as well, like the one and two bed flats? I'm having an effect on it. I don't know, but the, you know, obviously there's knock-ons into the, the rental sector, which I guess you're going to come on to. Ah, we'll talk about that well, as well later. But I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, there was attempts. Well, the last market update we did, the Skipton Building Society had brought in a 100% mortgage. I don't know if you saw this one. So no deposit required. Mm. Um, but reading... You know, did they know that? Or did they, uh, no, so I don't think there's been much uptake. So <laughs> it was specifically targeted to renters, right? So you had to have a track record of 12 months renting you had to provide your landlord's statements and all that your rental statements and mm. have a squeaky clean credit rating and all the rest of it but i have looked on some mortgage brokers on youtube and all that they've said there's hardly been any that have been issued yeah. so i think it was about a pr stunt to be honest mm. with you yeah. um do you know what i mean so uh but always interesting to see how things are playing out at a local level but like you say very much a kind of Geographic, each like, area is different. My, my experiences of it just now, my honest experiences, uh, I'm as quiet as I've ever been on right. the, the estate agency side. The That's because you're not putting out as many radio ads, Davey. You I am putting not, out exactly the you? same. Right. <laughs> we advertise through these things. Yeah. Uh, the, the other side of our business where we buy properties, that's completely normal. That's, that's doing as it always did. Right. Uh, and yeah. that tends to be because somebody's got like, a mental health issue or you know, relatives a hoarder or the, the place is a bomb site kind of thing. It's basically trade sales. Mm-hmm. So that's constant as it always was. The estate agency side is half, not even. 
What it was. Don't worry. Now that you've been on the Scottish Property Podcast, we've, <laughs> we've given you the exposure. Uh, sales will go booming now. It kind of comes back to the, what you were saying, though. If there's no stock on the market, well, we we struggle a little bit in there stock. as well because we're. I would like to think we're a little bit more expert at what we do than the standard high street estate agency because typically the people that that we're dealing with have specific problems that you solve mm. that we're, we're able to solve in a way that you know maybe your typical high street brands don't they're what, point, what point and press yeah. yeah they're very good at what they do but mm. you know so, but what happens when the the markets seem to be flying is i'm not going to pay extra for david yeah, to do it if I can get a high know, street bank can do just the same job. But you know, there's a advert yeah. that says I'll do it for thirty six quid, including the home report kind, uh, kind of thing. You know, we'll go with them. Yeah. Um. So we struggle a bit more than than most on that. But as I say, we're less than half of where we were on the estate agency side. Is that going to have a, a pivot point? Do you think going off topic a little bit that if the high street banks don't or can't provide that service, do they then come to like to you because they're looking more? This is sat on the market for a couple of months now. We need think, a solution. We need a sale. I think that's the kind of things that we tend to pick up. Yeah. You know, the, the kind of estate agency salesman goes in and promises the earth and then three months down the line, well, it's, it's, not, it's not developed. And then they say, do you know what, David told me the truth at the start. Mm. Before yeah. we leave this discussion on house prices and all that, there was a wee stat, an article that I wanted to share with the listeners because I think this is important because... I go to a lot of property networking events and all that, and people say that are like, quite optimistic and all that. And I know I get classed as negative Nick here on the podcast, right? Negativity Nick. But people say to me, oh, we've been here before, you know, think back to the 1990s when we had interest rates at 14% and all that. It'll all be fine. But pulling out a wee stat here, for comparing the 1990s to current day, right? The average price... Property price, UK house price in 1990 was 57,726. And the average UK household income was 20,448. Fast forward to present day, the average UK house price is 237,834. And the average UK household income is 37. Thousand one hundred. <laughs> so you see the problem there, affordability. So you've got like three times your salary against so eight times your salary. It, aye, so it used to be like yeah. exactly three times versus now nine times. <laughs> so it's not. It's now. not quite. No, it's can't not really same. compare to the nineties. They're, they're different worlds. Um, so anybody who's telling you that? Well, you know, lots of people. These property uh, kind of events will, will will tell you that everything's <clears> going to be great because they're. Their incomes are, are dependent on it. <laughs> that's what I want to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the same person that's telling you, you know, how it was in the 1990s, they're about 26 year old. You know, <laughs> what do you like? <laughs> yeah, we actually did come out with that line right about 18 months ago. We were like, oh, no, so interest rates were at 14%. I'll be fine. But now looking into it, no, it's not quite uh, comparable. Uh, moving on to rents, Damien, right? So, as a letting agent myself, I'm very interested in this. And, uh, it's basically, to bring up the stats here, which are produced by Zoopla, which are quite interesting. Here's going to be the flip side of the coin. I'm assuming we're going to see huge rent rises. Right, so these are the stats oh, here. Um, so the What's Aberdeen, Nick? So, right, so actually, Aberdeen are doing well. <laughs> of course they are. Aberdeen are doing well on rents. They're doing shit on property prices, yeah. but they're doing well on rents. Out of Aberdeen down here, some of the highest in the UK. Well, out of 15 cities, right, and that's over the whole of the UK, Aberdeen's actually at number five, and it's up 10.6%. Oh, 
and it's over the 12 months. Average rent, 652. The only ones that are above Aberdeen are Southampton, Glasgow. So get it up, yeah. <laughs> uh, this Man- is what I meant by the teams thing. <laughs> Manchester and Edinburgh. Edinburgh's top, 13.7% rents oh. are up. Um, so it just shows you that... Was there a lot of cities in, in Scotland and the UK top? Five there. Well, this is it. Like, out of the top five, this is showing like you. I'm, sure, I'm still on a thunder here by looking over the screen. <laughs> the Scottish government, who have put a cap on rents, who have basically stepped in saying, oh, yes, you know, Nicola Sturgeon last year in September stepped up. We'll save the renters. We'll put a cap on rents. There'll be a rent freeze in Scotland. Guess what's happened? Out of the top five cities of highest rent increases in the UK, three of them are in Scotland. And, you know, we're now at a point where we're rising above London, pretty much. So that shows you how bullshit that policy has been but and we, how it's not working. I mean, I'm, I'm not a rental expert like you are, but the how, how tell me how that works. The, the renter's protected unless the renter leaves and then the, yeah. then the, the rent... So the, the, the idea is uh, security of tenure, basically, and for them to protect people financially. So it was an emergency bill that they put through. Because of COVID? Because of COVID, die. that was it. But they kept extending it. So now COVID's behind us, but they keep on extending it. Yeah. They've had it for six months. Now they've extended it twice, I think. So now it's through till April 2024. Initially, yeah. it was a 0% cap. So landlords weren't allowed to increase at all on existing tenancies, right? Mm-hmm. Fair enough, okay. People were going through hard times, understandable. Yeah. But now they keep they keep extending it because they're trying to come in, they're trying to in the background, they're trying to devise a plan for long term rent controls, mm-hmm. which they will eventually bring in, but they keep buying time with this. We'll just extend it, yeah, we'll great. just extend it. So now what they've done is they've increased it. You're now allowed as a landlord to increase your rent by three percent mm-hmm. for existing tenancies. But if you buy a property tomorrow and you put it on the rental market, you can put it on for whatever you want, yeah. which is what's happened. So these stats are for newly listed properties. Yeah. So when we say rents are up 13%, obviously you can't put your rents mm-hmm. up 13% with existing tenants. So effectively you can have two properties next door to each other identically renting for £1,000 and £500. Yeah. Yes, that's pretty which much is, Which is <laughs> it's why the argument goes that a lot of landlords are selling up. I, I'd argue that not droves and droves of landlords mm. are selling up here in Scotland. I think I don't think they're selling up. I think they've been selling a property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the capital gains tax allowances were, were disappearing. Yeah. Probably so, just reshuffling their portfolio. Or- yeah. It's, well, I mean, for those people that don't know, you, you, the, the capital gains tax allowances ran at 13 grand a year, 13 and a half grand a year. So if you and your partner bought a property in two and eight, it was effectively you could make £27,000 off that rental property before you pay any tax. And what people were doing was they would have a portfolio of maybe five properties bought one a year over five years. When property one got to five years old, it was sold, it made its £27,000 tax-free money and it was replaced with another one on the, the conveyor belt. So effectively, you had a property selling every single year, giving you twenty seven grand a year tax-free. Then the government pulled that last year. They halved it down. This year, they're halving it down again. It will just disappear. So it was a scramble last year for landlords to sell a property to get the £27,000 uh, that maybe they weren't scheduled to sell. Yeah. So th- they went on the market 
And historically, that property would have been bought by another landlord. But the other landlord has now been put off buying that property because of the 6% second property tax. So you've got properties getting lost to the rental market there because if your property portfolio average size is you're no better than me but let's say it's five mm -hmm. and one of them was getting sold off last year and one of them's getting sold off this year effectively 20 percent of your rental stocks disappearing in theory increased yeah. rents exactly supply and demand as we always like to bring it back to it's the basic yeah basic stuff supply and demand but it's typical of of, of government modern government now and uh, they bring in the six percent second property tax at the same time as they do away with the the, ca the capital gains tax loans you can't do both each everything at once you know mm -hmm. and i mean don't get me wrong i don't think it's i don't think it's a a wrong thing for them to remove the capital gains tax allowances because they should never have been there in the first place nobody with an entrepreneurial bent ever looked at something and said that's a good idea because of capital gains tax allowances. You do it because it's going to make money. Capital gains tax allowances are a, a benefit, a bonus. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the exception to that was the property market and specifically the rental market because you could work that conveyor belt system on that 27 grand a year thing. So you, you were actively saying, I'm going to buy a property next year because of the capital gains allowances. That doesn't really appear in any other sector. I don't think anyway. Yeah. So no, it's just, I mean, for, for me, I'm very passionate about this and I think it's another failed policy by the Scottish government. Yeah. Um, and it's been not thought through. It's not been, they've not consulted the right people. They just went ahead and did it for a headline. Yeah. And it's backfired. Well, the Scottish government as well has uh, ramped up a level from the, the UK government. I think we're on 6% second property tax. I can't remember what the UK is on. It's like 3%. 3 yeah. yeah, so we're, we're, we're double there. And, and I guess <coughs> the you touched on it earlier. Why is that? It's the demographic of who votes for that particular yeah. party. Landlord, not so much. Exactly. Who's ever going to yeah. have any sympathy for landlords at the end of the day? And exactly. it's not going to win them votes. Uh, moving on to our last story, because we're running out of time. And uh, it's about short-term lets. Um, so this is to do with Airbnbs. Now, the Scottish Government introduced a new legislation uh, to give local councils the power to licence the sector. So now you need to have a licence, like an HMO licence, basically, to operate an Airbnb short-term let. And uh, in Edinburgh, Edinburgh Council said that they were going to ban short-term lets in all the tenement flats, shared closes. Yeah. Obviously, the, the reasoning behind it was that it created a... Well, neighbours were complaining, basically. It created a, a shortage of housing as well because everyone was converting them to Airbnbs and all the rest of it. Um, so a group of uh, Airbnb accommodation providers, um, holiday lets, whatever you want to call them, they got together and they raised money through a crowdfunding platform. It was £300,000 and they took it to the court uh, I think it's called the Court of Session. And uh, they won their case, actually. They won the case and the, the judge said that it was uh, unlawful for Edinburgh City Council to basically ban these. But it was the Scottish government who brought in the policy again, who distributed the power to local authorities. Yeah. And now this has happened. There's not really been any further forward with what's well, going to happen the, now. It's reaction policy, isn't it? The, the rents are jumping up, people are selling off rental properties, people, rental properties are getting lost to Airbnb, what can we do to it? It's like finger in a dike, 
yeah. policy kind of thing. Plus the knee-jerk um, reactions to stuff as well. And like nobody thought just to suggest building more houses, did they? I think it's been suggested. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a kid, not. So that, I mean, that would be the easiest <laughs> resolution to it. Well, but, but then this is the this is the problem. If you go back to Maggie Thatcher selling off the council houses, Aye. people got wealthy. Yeah. Nobody can, you'll, you'll, you'll see a lot of that with the, some of the stock that you deal with. You know, obviously people complain about there being a shortage of social housing, yeah. but they're not complaining when they bought their council house for ten grand. They're selling no, it for no, retail. Not, but the people don't see the big picture. They don't see that when you buy your council house and you make the money and you and you you move area more regularly, you might get the things, you might get the car, you might get the new kitchen, you might get the holiday, but you lose the neighbourhood, mm-hmm. you lose the society. You lose the Bobby on the beat. You lose the older people kind of looking after younger people. You you, you lose the younger people kind of getting the messages for the older people. It's mm-hmm. back to the tenement yeah. culture that we, we've spoken about before. There is that argument for sure. You lo- you lose all of that, um, and you know I, I think we're heading now towards um, back to the rich get richer type thing. You're heading to a point where the the good areas will get better, and the worse areas won't. And you'll end up putting a big fence around the good areas so the bad areas can't get in type thing. It's that two-tier society um, that we're probably already in. Mm. So for anybody operating the service, the accommodation, stroke, holiday lights, not, this is going to be a very interesting time because the licensing you had to have in, all the local authorities said you had to have your licence applied for by October the October 1st. October 1st, yeah. So, because this has happened now, it'll be interesting to see how the government come back on this and where this goes and how other councils will deal with it. In Glasgow, for example, if you've got a flat in Glasgow, you need to apply for planning permission to get a change of use. And that's going to be very difficult. Mm -hmm. So, but again, it's like, do the councils really want this or is it being imposed by the government Again, for vote winning because of this housing shortage, right? Because think about Glasgow City Council wants the city to compete for world stage events, COP26, Commonwealth Games. So it needs Airbnbs. How many, how many people came to Glasgow and stayed in Airbnbs? Yeah, and they absolutely. like staying in that sort of accommodation. There's a need for it, you know? So I, I think there's a real problem. Um, you know, we've touched on the UK government, we've touched on the, the the Trump style of politics have touched on the Scottish government. There is a real inadequacy in politics. Um, the people who run the show now, and I've met the Theresa Mays and David Cameron's, and um, and they're not impressive. You you, you think you'll meet these people, and <laughs> you know you get all tongue tied and nervous and everything. They they are not spectacular people. And I suppose your government's now are, are middle management, really. For your your government now is effectively what the council used to be. Corporations run the country now. Um, is that ever coming back? I don't. You see, for instance, I know I'm going to away on a tangent, but if you look at the the stuff that's going on just now with the artificial intelligence stuff and how quickly that's coming in, nobody can control it. Mm-hmm. It's the wild west. Out there, no government can control that because the government cannot control the corporation that's inventing the stuff, that's marketing the stuff. Get a free end for it. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and it's you know, like, almost blaming governments now is is almost a, a waste of breath because they're almost irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But what disappoints me is when they come out with these policies and they don't consult the people that actually know. It's the same in yeah. business. You know, they had the uh, the Green Party. Lorna Slater came out with that bottle return scheme yeah. where you take your bo- and it's failed yeah 
because they didn't speak to the businesses, the business people who have yep. got to implement it, who have got to make all the systems and the production lines for it to work, yeah, yeah. They, they just came out and said, oh, this is going to look amazing. Roll this out. But it's all, it's all Deal with the, it. the headline. You know, it's like... I, I, is that a positive story? Is that a negative story? And how does that affect our voting demographics for getting us well, re-elected? Look at, look or, the likes of Boris Johnson and Donald Trump like used the headline. You know, like you get accused of something, so you throw out something that gets a different headline, and the, the narrative moves to that. Then you throw out something else, and you just keep kicking the can down the road. And the, the news cycle now is, mm. you know, two days worth. Like when you're talking there about the uh, the rent caps and, and whatnot, who's interested? Mm. There's there's no political journalism there. This, you, you know, if you look at the the report that came out recently about the, the amount of money that was lost to fraud during the uh, the pandemic. I don't know if you saw that, like £30 billion effectively went missing. Bounce back loans and all that? No, no, oh. no, no. This was money given out, contracts. For oh, PPE contracts, and all, and all uh, PPE kind of and all the rest of it. Yeah. And um, where did that money go? But they release it on the day that Prince Harry goes to court mm. because the public's more interested in Prince Harry than they are in... Yeah. You know, billions, billions doesn't mean anything to people. It's too big. It's like the little girl in the red coat thing in Schindler's List. Six million people is too much. Reduce it down to the one little girl in the red coat. Boom, there's there's a punch in the gut. So um, I don't know how we, how we change that because the way we report news now is entertainment. It's an entertainment show based on volume of, of viewers. And it should click big. Well, a prime example of that would be the submarine. Exactly. Yeah. So that took over. That was massive, which took over all the other world events, including pretty much Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. It, it's it's bizarre, but mm. but I can understand how it happens. But you but you're never going to get right. regulation in it because the corporation that runs that is bigger than the government. Mm. Mm. Um. You know, it's it's, it's a really. I just think uh, the housing. Issue, like you said, who actually cares? But I think housing is becoming a, qu- well, people, a big. No, but people do care. But we need to tell them to care. You need Aye. to report the news story. You need to put it at people in such a way that they can absorb it and understand what's happening. It's just, it's just, a, it's a story that you know about that I know about a bit. Yeah, and the two lads sitting over here don't know about it at all. Joe Public, they'll know about it when their mortgage. Rates come to an end and their prices and go. have to go right. <laughs> right. Like you say, that's, that's it. That yeah. Doing big, sizable pieces that people can understand and yeah. relate to rather than right. big fucking number. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant, Davey. I've really enjoyed the chat. It's been great having you on. Hope you'll come back again Anytime, soon. boys. Any boys. And you've got some tan on you, by the way. And you're recovering from oh, your uh, shoulder I got, operation. I got a new shoulder, so I couldn't drive. So I've been sitting out in my back garden with my chickens. Because <laughs> of the cost of eggs. Do you know what I've got? this... Uh, what, what would you call this dungarees on today I've been wearing them for a wee while and I walked past the mirror the other day and I used to wear them all the time and I always thought I looked like kind of Dexy's Midnight Runners and I walked <laughs> past the mirror the other day and Grandpa Walton was looking back at me it was, it was, it was the strangest thing that's what the sun does to you mate <laughs> good stuff right. we'll wrap it up there guys yeah, thanks for having me thanks a lot Davey appreciate that cheers